everybody. This is Kimberly. And this is Katie. And you're listening to A Date with Dateline. This episode is called After the Early Shift, which I think makes perfect sense. It's accurate. I don't know. I don't. What about it? Don't you like? Don't you think it's better than the one-word adjective titles like persuasion? No. That could apply to anything. I feel like this. We had some intrigue. It could have been called affairs, secrets, and such and such, or some. You know, we could have had a little bit of oomph, and we had reference to the movie Clue throughout. Right. There's so many opportunities, but instead they talk about the early shift, which they literally mention in the first three minutes and never again. Right. And it's it's a very technical term like you'd find in the handbook you get when you start working at a new company. There's like a whole section that's after the early shift. Here's the deal, too. Is it technically after the early shift? Because it seems pretty much like it was during the early shift that she was murdered and her body was found. Right. She, she went well, in at like but five. but all the intrigue happened after. Oh, okay. You're, you're sticking up for it very admirably, but... This is a not a repeat, but an update episode. So I think, if I'm not mistaken, the original episode was called The Early Shift. I could be making that up, but it makes sense because... That- I think early shift was in the title, and now this episode is called After the Early Shift. Okay, that changes things. Because this is all the new stuff. That totally changes things. If that, But again, that's I could be wrong, but if it made you happy, then I'm fine with lying to you. Okay. It does make me um, happy. This episode was uh, season 25, episode 41. It nope. aired on July... No, nope, it wasn't. Episode 42. Yep, there you go. It aired on July 28th, 2017. Hosted by Mr. Mank, Josh Mankiewicz. It took place in Kentucky. It's about this woman named Michelle Mockby. Mockby. She was found dead in the medical equipment warehouse office building type place conglomerate that she works at. (laughs) It was large. She's married to her coworker, Dan, and they have two children. Uh, she seemed like a great lady. They were going to be on vacation that week. She was finishing up her last day before vacation, finishing up some stuff. He had already started his vacation. They are co-workers and very close. They have a date night every other Monday. She goes into work really early. At 6 o'clock, she gets there. Her supervisor, Ed, notices a big stain on the carpet by her office, blood red. He gets the janitor, David Dooley, remember that name, to go look with him. So I think because he was a little scared. And he's like, I'll get the janitor to come help me see if there's a dead body. David Dooley presents himself as equally wussy because he's like, I only saw her feet. I didn't look in any further. And I'm glad I didn't because I've never seen anything like that before. I don't want that image in my head. I don't want to see no dead body. Good. So she's dead on the floor. The CSI team finds this huge pile of blood, but it looked like it had been smeared, like it had been cleaned up. And her purse and a bag of time cards. She was um, a payroll employee. She was HR. She, yeah. Okay, so in this company, HR does payroll. Yeah. So the building is humongous. It's like four football fields big. But it has tight security, a lot of cameras. So they figure the suspect is someone that is still in the building. So they put the building on lockdown. And there were only 13 employees on site. And none of them appear to have blood on them or be involved in a struggle. It's like a game of Clue. 
How excited were you? I'm very excited, but then I'm very confused about the early shift that there were only 13 workers in a place that's as big as four football fields. Well, here's the deal. It was really early, and it was the Tuesday after Memorial Day or Labor Day. I can't remember. It's Memorial Day. It's May 29th. Yep. I think people are straggling into work late, probably, or maybe using their half days to recover from their long weekend. And it was really early. It was still before seven. But just think about this. So out of those four football fields worth right, of warehouse. Right, there's like 13 people. There's 13. And of what we know, a few of those at least are not working in the warehouse. So right. those people are not getting orders out. So I'm just saying a lot of people called out on yes. Tuesday. But yeah. I, it would be a little creepy in a warehouse with that few of people. Yeah. That early in the morning. But Clue, sorry. Clue's amazing. Clue, Clue, is-, Clue is one of our favorite movies of all time. I suck at the board game. We used to play it all the time. And for some reason, I'm really, really bad at it. That's I sad. never have once won. I did like that they had illustrated drawings of all the suspects. <gasps> that like was cool. Like they were playing cards like Clue. Yeah, that was cool. I thought that was pretty cute. So none of Michelle's relatives think that it could be the husband who was home asleep at the time. There's this guy, Joe, who has a dark, dry sense of humor, and that makes the cops suspicious, in which case I'm totally screwed. There's this (laughs) other guy who's new at the company. He's a temp, and he has some felonies. David Dooley is the janitor. So we have Ed, who also found the body. And Ed is quickly eliminated because he couldn't lift the body. He has medical issues. The husband passes the polygraph test. So the other two guys, the guy with the dark sense of humor and the temp, they both pass the polygraph tests. So it's really just down to David Dooley, the janitor, and he agrees to take a polygraph test. But then, according to the cops, when he walks into the room, he's like, I never agreed to this. I'm not taking a polygraph test, not without a lawyer. And then he says they kind of forced him. They were like, you're taking this, not even asking him. And David doesn't like to be told to do things. As a janitor, he likes to be asked to do things, I guess. I don't know. It was weird. So he refuses. They are watching the video footage to see who's, if anyone else came into the building, but they see somebody leaving the building at about 6.30 in the morning. They think that Michelle got there at 6 and was murdered right away. 6.30, they see a red truck leaving the office. It is David Dooley, the janitor. He left at 6.30 and came right back at 7 in time to find the body with Ed, the supervisor. Very strange. And he's like, I went home to check on my wife because she takes a lot of Ambien. I'm just not buying any of this right now. No. Is Ambien the one where you do the weird sleepwalk? Okay. Where you could do a sleep murder? Yes. Is that Ambien? Yes. Save it for alternative alternative theories. So he apparently, per Janet, his wife, who is kooky, she says David's just like that, that he's always on top for like, Janet, did you take your medicine? Janet, did you remember to take your vitamins? Okay, so it's it's my mom and my dad, basically, because my mom is constantly, Bob, did you take your medicine? And he will forget. It's he won't take reverse, it unless yeah. she, he, she puts it in his hands. And even then, he'll look at me with his hands full of pills and be like, what am I supposed to do with these? That's a joke. He's like, she didn't tell me to swallow them. So what am I supposed to do? But apparently David Julie is that way with Janet, who cannot take care of herself. So they bring in a cute little cadaver dog, little Joe. Do you remember little Joe? Did you love little yeah, Joe? Yeah, little Joe. 
He kind of had a funny little yeah. walk, that dog. He wagged his little butt when he walked. I think he's a little overweight. He was a smart dog, but not smart enough. Well, he did show some interest in Dan, the husband's van. But it makes sense that he would show interest because I'm sure that Michelle has been in her husband's van. So I think he was fairly accurate there. Also, why do they have a cadaver dog? Obviously, her body wasn't moved off the premises. Yeah, it's odd. Are they trying to insinuate Dan drug her from home no, into work no. and put her in? No, I think it was all because okay. they couldn't find a murder weapon or bloody towels or anything. So I think they were trying to look for stuff like mm. that, maybe. Because they think David Dooley took it home with him when he went to go check on his wife. Yes. But you're right. It is odd that they were bringing a cadaver when the body's like lying right there. So they charge David Dooley with the murder of Michelle. They have no forensics on him, really nothing. I, I find it incredible that they have zero forensic evidence. Well, he's a janitor, zero. so he's wearing gloves, maybe. And he has that rolling cart of industrial bleach and trash bags. Which he decided to not use on the carpet? He tried. It showed smear marks, but I think he gave up. But why did he also move her body from out of her office onto the mezzanine or wherever she was found? I think found? to why hide it, to give her? him more time to go home. Because no one would be suspicious if they saw the giant blood splotch. He wouldn't put something over that. He'd just leave that I don't know hallway. if he had a random piece of carpet available to his disposal. So you are 100% convinced that he did it no, no, no matter, matter what. what? Okay, well then keep going and tell... What happens at the trial? So at the trial, they show the pry marks on her office door. It is chopped up. The wood is all broken. They think he was breaking into her office and she surprised him. He panicked and he bludgeoned her with perhaps a packing tape gun, which sounds lame, but are very heavy duty because we had one at the office that I could have easily murdered someone with it. It has sharp points on it, and it's very heavy. And it has a great handle with a grip on it, so your hand doesn't slip. I think it makes sense. So, David worked every day with cleaning supplies. That's why he had no blood on him or DNA at the crime scene. And he had that rolling cart with the bag on it, so he could have put his dirty clothes in there or rags, whatever, and then taken it out. But but the problem is, it's not that he didn't have her DNA on him or his DNA wasn't found on her. There was DNA found at the crime scene. It did not match There him. was a ton of different DNA from many multiple people from being at that office place. There wasn't like one consistent piece of DNA that was throughout that was mysterious. Yeah. I mean, DNA is everywhere okay. in a building like that. But I'm just saying it is surprising that there was none of his DNA and they were convinced that he did it still. Yes. It just didn't seem as strong. Right. It is a weak case, but I still think he did it. So when they first interview him, he never mentioned that he went home and came back to work. In the second interview he did, he said he went home, but his wife says he didn't come home. Then they do another interview and he says he came home. And she says now that he came home, but she says he came home to change a pair of ripped pants. But David (laughs) says, I did not go home to change a pair of ripped pants. I never ripped my pants. So these are no Bonnie and Clyde, okay? That was a disaster of like a three-minute explanation (laughs) that Mankiewicz was giving. This is dumb and dumber. They need to sit down and lay out their stories. 
So she says, well, she doesn't hear properly. She's deaf in one ear. So what deaf people do apparently is they piece together what's happening and make assumptions. And they create stories in their head based on what they're seeing. So she had seen a pair of ripped pants in the closet, which he never explains why his ripped pants were in the downstairs closet. And she says... Oh, that must have been what he said. He said something to me when he came home. Why, I don't. It must have been I came home to change my pants. Even though in her first interview, she says he never came home. <laughs> Josh Mankiewicz is really pushing David on this. Why would she say this? And David Dooley is frustrated. He's like, I do not know why my wife said this. We have discussed it many times. He's so bad we, at uh, She really <laughs> effed me over, but she's the only one I have in my corner. So I'm sticking by her. That's basically what he's trying to say. This is what I've got. So we're sticking with it and we're saying that she's deaf. So, I mean, I'm not denying that she probably is hard of hearing in one ear, but it was pretty bad. It was really bad. But you got that feeling that she might be one of those people that just wants to make up a bigger story. So it's, oh, yes, he came home because his pants had ripped. And she just sort of said it without thinking and then realized, oh, wait, I'm in a police interview. I have to now continue this narrative. I think she's the type of person who says what she thinks people want her to say. She could possibly be a secret genius and have a double life. This Janet, like like my mom, but damn it, Janet, I don't think so. And you know I say damn it, Janet, every time there's a Janet, but it really has never been more applicable than in this Janet situation. Right. To say, damn it, Janet, you messed up the alibi completely. Multiple, multiple occasions. I would like to see the cut interview footage with Janet. I'm interested if Dateline has any extra footage because I have a feeling that she told a lot of stories. I'm I'm interested to see that. So we go to trial. The prosecutor is this blonde lady named Linda Tally Smith. Oh boy. First, you're like, oh, she's going to be an inconsequential part of this story. But oh, <laughs> would you be wrong? So she starts the trial. She seems fairly qualified in the trial. She makes a good case. She says, Michelle had discovered these time cards that showed that David Dooley, the janitor, was triple dipping. I don't even know how he would do that. Clocking him and his wife, because I don't think I mentioned that Janet, the wife, also works at this warehouse, which is hilarious because does every man and woman, do you have to be part of a spouse couple to work at this company? From what I'm gathering, that the Dooleys are a, a self-employed janitorial service. service. So they go to a bunch of different companies. I see. That's why the, when Josh was talking about the double dipping, he also mentioned them getting paid hourly when they got a monthly salary. Ooh. They were charging hourly, which is, I'm sure, what they do to certain companies around. Uh But then they were also charging. That's what I think the triple dip is. It's the clocking in and then the double and then, oh, yeah. Maybe overtime. Overtime. All right. That's So David Dooley denies it, the janitor. He says no. The defense says the building wasn't even that secure anyways, even though we see a ton of security cameras everywhere. They say the alarm had been tripped three days before, and they think that's incredibly important because an alarm being tripped and then you're going to break in three days later to murder a payroll clerk slash HR person. I, I don't get it. My, the alarm at my office goes off all the time by accident. 
there's a bunch of probably emergency exit doors. Someone goes out to take a smoke by accident. That's the alarm being tripped because they went out the emergency mm -hmm. exit door. So the jury find I wasn't impressed by that. The jury finds him guilty and sentences him to life in prison. And you think it's over, but it's not over because this is an update episode. So we find out that prosecutor Linda Talley Smith in her extremely oversized and untailored blazers is having an affair with the lead investigator McVeigh. It was like a full-on soap opera. There was stuff revealed and they don't tell us what it is until later and it's a little frustrating because they keep saying the information that they found out and this steamy affair, could the case be overturned? It goes to the judge and you're like, what is the evidence? What are you talking what about, Dateline? So the info that we will find out goes to the Kentucky Supreme Court and they decide to have a hearing to see if they should retry David Dooley. So his appeals attorney, Deanna Dennison, she goes for she it. She goes for it. She uses her moment in court. So what did the guy say? She, the Clash of the Titans? Yes. They said <laughs> it was it was like watching a prize fight. They were clashing. But first she clashes with the investigator McVeigh, who we had known throughout the episode and not really thought anything of until we find out he was having an affair with Linda Tally Smith. I'm gonna call her Tally Ho. Linda Tally Ho. So Deanna Dennison asked the investigator McVeigh. Were you having an affair? And he's like, no. And she's like, are you telling me you didn't have a sexual relationship with her? And he says, well, we were friends. And she says, but you're under oath. And he says, we were friends. And she says, did you have a sexual relationship with her? Are you denying that? And he says, I don't think that's any of your business. And she says, you're under oath. You're under She'll oath. testify. She'll say, tell me what your answer is. And he says, I just said yes. And she says, okay, thanks. Simple. I transcribed that it. That was good. It was very it good. It was really good. Now, the judge is watching. His face was akin to our faces when we were watching Grey Gardens a few weeks ago. It was jaw open. He's watching like a telenovela. He can't <laughs> believe these people are in his courtroom. <laughs> That's funny. So then Linda Telly Smith, who used to be or is still, but not anymore. They're trying to get her disbarred. She is, the at this point, the Commonwealth attorney there in that town. So she's like the head honcho, and she's being... Boone. Boone County. Boone. Is that what it is? Sure. Boone yeah, County. Boone, Boone County. Okay. It sounded funny to me because it's Boone County, Kentucky. I love it. Boone County. Um, she's being interviewed by Deanna, who's going at her, and that was the Clash of the Titans. Linda Telly Smith's like, so I don't even get to explain. And Deanna's like, you're not controlling this anymore. You're not the Commonwealth attorney right here. Like, it's my turn, bitch. Pretty thrilling if you're into legal drama. Also kind of nice to see Linda Telly's hoe being taken down a peg or two because she needed to be taken down a peg or two, I think. So this is what happened. Well, we finally find out kind of what happened is after they had this affair, they broke up and she wrote him a scathing 18 page letter, which many people, you didn't watch a lot of Friends, did you? did you? No. So on Friends, when Ross and Rachel broke up and when they were mm -hmm. on a break, does that ring a bell to you at all? Okay, we're going to we're going to really have to do something about that. There are some good really I know enough. good stuff in there. I've seen a plenty. I've seen plenty. Did you say I you've just, seen a plenty? I've seen a friends a plenty. <laughs> so, when they My tummy hurts. When they broke up, <laughs> Rachel writes Ross a letter. Oh. 
it says, I forgive you and all this stuff. So they make up and they're cuddling. And she's like, I'm just so glad that you admitted that everything was your fault, that you totally ruined things, that you did this, this, and this. And he's like, when did I agree to all that? And she's like, it was in the letter. And he's like, I never finished the letter. And she's like, you never finished the letter? And he's like, it was 5.30 in the morning and you had been rambling on for 18 pages. And then he slams down his stuff and he's like, front and back. So a lot of people, showed that gif online and they were like was it front and back um 18 pages is excessive it's an 18 page email uh also are you sure the only reason i know that is because what we find out i don't know if we find out in this but it's on a thumb drive oh okay it's a it's a letter on the interwebs so who knows what font it is this could be eight point font No, we have no idea actually how this thing could be crazy. Knowing Linda Tally Ho, it is eight point font. But imagine getting an eighteen page PDF. That's a decent size. No, that's You're a getting legal a document. Big file. Yeah. Yeah. So, so okay. If, okay, in this letter, she calls the investigator a liar. She says that now what she knows what she knows, which we still don't know what she knows because they still haven't told That's, us what she knows. It's so annoying. Yeah. In the, which is the purpose of the entire... They're yes. showing the actual trial that we still don't know why the trial was put into motion. Exactly. Because it's obviously something in this letter. Yes. Okay, go ahead. She says, now that I know what I know, I'm going to question every case that you've ever been involved in. Now what I know what a complete effing liar you are, I'm going to grapple with ethical issues regarding, you know, every case, I'm going to worry that the defense is going to find this and the whole case is going to be tainted. And we're like, what did you find? So I guess there's this security tape that shows footage of outside the building. And there's a guy the police call the random dude who 10 hours before the murder at eight o'clock at night is walking by the building. That's what it is. To me, that is nothing. That is not enough to do anything. They don't show how this guy gets in. They don't know who, why he would have a motive. The, the prosecutor says she didn't know about the random dude and found out after the trial, but did not right. go to the judge or the Supreme Court or anybody. She just wrote this angry letter about how it might taint the case. The defense says that they were given the tape, but they were never able to play the tape. Now, to me, it, that's on them. If they didn't ask to have someone help them play this tape, but they had it in their possession, that's their fault. But they're saying, well, we if we had known there was a random guy on it, a random dude, that would have been our whole defense theory, was that it could have been this random dude. Now, McVeigh, the investigator, says he knows who that guy is and is not the killer. But of course, since this is an hour-long episode, they skip over incredibly important details, like who is that guy? He kind of looked like he could be a security guard. He kind of looked drunk to me, honestly. Well, he when was, I watched it the he first was time, he was bobbing and weaving. Yeah, he was bobbing yeah. and weaving a little. They don't say it in Dateline, but they have video of him actually going in the door. What? They have footage of him pulling on the door and then he's not seen. So that, I think, assumes that he's going into the building. So... They have footage of him pulling on the door. So I don't know if that means he has a key card or if that door was unlocked. But maybe that doesn't mean that he went in. Maybe it means that he pulled on the door and then went around the corner. Right. And the door didn't open. Right. So who knows? Also, this was 10 hours before. But I guess he could have gone in and then slept there all night. Why? We don't know. Right. Why would he do that to this random payroll slash HR person? 
So the fact that she didn't turn it in when she found out about it is the real problem here, right? Is that the, the main crux of it? He's the bigger problem. Right. She should have absolutely gone and said this verdict has to be thrown out because there's this big piece that could be reasonable doubt. Right. Um, they have a ch- they should have a chance to use this in their defense. But the fact that McVeigh hit it, he's the bigger problem. But he's also the one that can't get in trouble because at this point he's retired. Right. But also he says he gave it to the defense and they say they have it. They just couldn't watch it. Yeah, I didn't understand I think that. there was it a was problem with the watchable? tape. Like it was coded okay. or something. That's bad. So to me, they had their chance. They had all the evidence in their possession. Um, okay. So anyways, the judge sides with David Dooley's attorney, Deanna. The judge orders a new trial. Damn it, Janet says her husband is innocent and she knew all along that he was innocent. And Josh gives her crazy pursed lips like, girl, you cray. (laughs) And the sisters are all dreading another trial. They still think it's David and they hate that now it's all about him like he's the victim. It's all he gets all the attention now. And the next trial will be harder because McVeigh, the main investigator, his credibility is kind of shattered at this point. So I think he is going to be set free in this next trial even though I do still think he did it. What do you think? I do think he's going to be set free. But I also, the reason that I thought that maybe he did it was when he starts crying in the interview. Yes. <laughs> and Josh says, do you want to take a break? But with do you no stop? empathy in his voice. You know no, he not wasn't buying it. Like Mank is. He's like, he's, do you want to take a break? Yeah. Like, much. okay, I guess we're going to pretend that you're actually crying right now. <laughs> Do you want to take yeah, a break? Yeah, and he, he was crying. There, there were, were real tears. There was moisture. But then he says, when he says no, no, like he doesn't want to take a break. He wants people to see him crying. That was really suspicious to me. Honestly, if I started crying really hard in an interview and they offered me a break, I'd say sure. Yeah. That'd be great. Yeah. But, but he wants people to see him crying. So in that respect, I was like, either you just love the attention but I don't think, I don't know. Maybe he, they both seem like they really like detention. Well, so here's here's my defense for that moment. So someone on Twitter suggested that maybe David Julie was on the autism scale, the Asperger's scale, I guess, and had trouble with eye contact and his emotion seemed a little bit off. So maybe he was going with the crying thing so that, you know, he would seem more sympathetic. That seemed like a possibility to me. That could be it. Because, yeah, someone told him that it was a good idea for crying. Yes. You're coming off kind of cold and off. People get a weird vibe from you. So it wouldn't hurt if you cried a little. Yeah. yeah. And that's why he didn't want the camera turned off. Well, it turns out that everybody at his work also said that, or not everybody, but a lot of the people the investigators interviewed said he was a little off, described him like Uh, that. uh And turns out also... Dan, Michelle's husband, had had run-ins with him before. (gasps) They didn't go into detail about what kind of run-ins, but had had issues with him. So maybe he had made some off-color remarks or something to Michelle, and Dan referred to him to investigators as shady. That was in quotes. Really? Yeah. So that was interesting. That's very interesting. Yeah. Hmm. So there is something a little off there. But again, we don't have any motive besides if he was triple dipping. 
which I've seen as a motive on several datelines. You wouldn't think it would be enough. I've seen business partner kill another business partner because one business partner found that they were skimming off the books. And you would think, then just break off the business, just fire the person, whatever. But you yeah. also would think, why not just get a divorce? Don't kill the person. So, But isn't triple dipping or somehow crooking the books, wouldn't the prosecutors do their research and find out if he actually was and bring that into trial and say, we looked at all of this information, he was actually right. double dipping. Right. I think either there wasn't proof of that or that was one of the things that they did bring up in trial, but they left out because it was a one hour episode instead of a two hour episode. Because all we heard about it was from Linda Tallyho that that was the motive. So we don't really know for sure. If it was, if he and his wife have this cleaning company and they work for other companies, all it takes is one phone call from Michelle saying they're totally stealing from us. They would get fired from all of their other jobs. Their whole business would go down. That is totally true. You are right. I'm pretty smart. You're okay. The <laughs> So what is your OMG moment? We're done with the episode. What do you have OMG wise? I had some additional moments that I liked that I wanted to discuss, but nothing that was my OMG moment. Can I give you something that might be your OMG moment? Sure. The emails that were uncovered, that this 18-page letter was uncovered in a series of emails on a thumb drive, which I'll get to later, but they had pseudonyms for each other. McVeigh, oh, no. McVeigh and Linda Tally Smith did. Okay. So, Linda Tallyho. Linda Tallyho. So McVeigh used the name Carver Davidson. <gasps> yeah. What is that? Wait, wait. Linda's name was Chiquita Queen. What? What? Ew. What? Oh my God. <gasps> Chiquita what? Queen. Is that a reference to the banana because of his Chiquita banana? Because of his big banana? Like his business, his his business. <gasps> oh my gosh! Like she's the queen Chiquita of queen? his Chiquita banana. Like she is the queen of his Chiquita banana. Is that what? Or that is, is it like refer- a whole like Latina fetish type thing? I don't know. I don't know what's happening. But that was there. So Carver Davidson <gasps> to Chiquita Queen. It was like, oh my god! See, I got an OMG out of you. That's I knew it. That's I knew really that would good. do it. That was the best. That is really good i got Why some they, other again info? if this was a two hour they would have left that in that i can't believe they cut that out they could have cut <laughs> out any one of the sisters of michelle's sisters and put in this yeah that would have been better anyways um Chiquita queen okay so n- none of my additional moments are even worthy of discussion <laughs> after that like they just are not good that's not true I'm calling them additional moments because they're not key moments because now we're really discussing key moments in our recaps. So additional moments like guacamole because guacamole is extra. Because chips, wait a minute, because chips and salsa are free, but you have to order the guacamole extra. Guacamole is extra. That's good. I like it. That's say on on Twitter all the time. They're like, I want to live in a world where guacamole is not extra. It's like a common phrase now, I think. So our guacamole moments... Guacamoments. Guacamoments. Our guacamoments. Yes. Um, I wanted to touch on a couple things. First, Dan, the husband, says that pictures don't do Michelle justice. Is that an insult? I, I mean, are you saying... I? He really thinks she's beautiful, but oh, pictures don't do her justice makes me think you're saying she's not photogenic. No, I think it's sweet. 
no, I think he's being sweet. He's saying she was so much more than how beautiful she looks in pictures. But maybe okay, he should I... say that instead. But yeah. No. Okay, second guaca moment. Yeah. Michelle often won things like TVs. <laughs> yeah. Tickets to Super Bowl parties. I don't really know what that means. I don't know what that. She was very lucky. She won multiple flat screen TVs. Did she Did, though? I don't know if they're just saying it. I think she I won a flat screen a TV. The brother accidentally said plural, and then they had to go along <laughs> with it. And they just went with it? It was like the ripped pants. It was like Sue. It was like <laughs> Janet and the ripped pants. They just had to keep going. Keep going. We're on no, Dateline. Keep going. The ripped pants are when you're partially deaf, you combine things with what you see, and you make a story in your head. A story. That's what that means. You're basically a liar, and you make things up if you're part deaf. That's what we learned yeah. from Damn It, Janet. So Michelle won a lot of things. I found I just found that interesting. She's a winner in life and then a loser in death, I guess. So that's a great um, thing, another, though. When uh, being a winner, I, I there are her. people like that that just win things. The last guaca moment I wanted to talk about was <laughs> the sister thinks that maybe Michelle died because someone could be after their family. No. Um. No. No. She was killed at her office in the early morning. Her purse and the payroll things were hidden. I think it has something to do with her job. I don't think it has anything to do with you, and why are you making it about yourself? Mm-mm. If they wanted to go after your family, they would have gone after your family. Yeah. You cray. Um, <laughs> there were a couple good quotes of the week by Josh. One, they call it the early shift for a reason. Be- because it's early? That I don't want to get into the early shift again. I've... <laughs> Why would Josh road. say that? Did Josh seem mildly annoyed by this yes. case to you? Yes, he did. He seemed a he little... He seemed tired yeah. and a little over it. Josh, do you, do you hate all these people? Do you hate Janet and David Dooley? He did say that some people on Twitter found funny when they were doing the clue cards and they were like, but this time the husband didn't do it. Because people like a little nod to previous episodes, how we always think it's going to be the husband. My last quote was regarding the football field size of the building, which was ulcer-inducing acreage in terms of forensic coverage. I forgot about that. Ulcer-inducing acreage. Just beautiful. Uh. Poetry. Oh, wait, no, um, there was another really good one. It was the to-go murder cart. What did they call it? They call oh, it yeah, the... or a rolling... For... I found it. A rolling crime what? scene cleanup cart. A cover-up so spotless, only a janitor could have done it. That was it. That's right. Cover-up so spotless. Who is your MVP for the week? Okay, my MVP is always Josh Mankiewicz. But in this case, my MVP is going to be the person that brought all of this to light, who brought all of the scandal that happened two years later between Chiquita and Carver Davidson. His name is Nicholas Rambler, and he's the one that stole the thumb drive that had the 18-page letter on it and turned it in. He's the kid. So he Nicholas Rambler is a law clerk that worked for Linda Talley Smith. And so she got him for poor work conduct, called him into her office and said he needed to improve. And basically she was going to start reducing his hours and a lot of stuff because who knows? I don't I don't know. She had reasons for not liking him that seemed ridiculous. He becomes, quote unquote, according to Linda, incensed, belligerent and argumentative. And Tally fires him on the spot. Tally Smith fires him. So on his way out... He 
has this thumb drive with all of these files because this letter was apparently saved on the county clerk server. The email, the 18-page email that she had written to him. Also, by the way, I don't know if I mentioned this. She never actually gave it to him. It was just saved on the computer. So this kid is the one that brought all this to light and might get this guy who I know you don't think he's innocent, but he might be innocent. And Nicholas Rambler is getting him out of prison by bringing it to light. I mean, wow. He's a good MVP. Yeah. My MVP, he was a great MVP. I didn't even know about him. I love him. My MVP was, is the husband, really, is Dan. Because last time, yeah, when I saw the episode last time, I remember I didn't for one second think that he did it. And I still don't think that he did it for one second. And for a husband on Dateline to be that innocent, that's really impressive. Good point. He just seems like a great guy. So my loser would be Damn It Janet and Linda Tallyho, I think, together on okay. a rowboat out in the middle of nowhere. And then we take away their oars and they're stuck out there on that rowboat. Who are your losers? Linda Tally Smith. And I was not crazy about Bruce McVeigh or McVeigh. I, McVeigh Bruce McVeigh, yeah. I think, is really my loser. I was fine with him up until I found out what he did. I think it was real shady not to share that video. I don't like that. I, don't like that one I thought his testimony was real shady. I don't think that's any of your business. I don't think you can say that when you're under oath in a trial. I don't think you can either. Also, Deanna Dennison is also, I would like to see more of that woman. She's an MVP for me. I want to see a show with her doing more trials. That'd be great. That would be actually a really good show. She could be the hero of it and just take people down in that town. Um, Let's do Joan Rivers Fashion Police. Great. Janet. um, I'm skipping Janet. Janet. There was just one outfit. (laughs) That it was a faded with holes in it Disneyland shirt, I think, and yoga pants with the stripes down. Now, there's nothing wrong with that outfit if you are going to Starbucks at eight in the morning and then you're going to maybe even go to Target in that outfit. That's fine. But there's something wrong with you choosing that for a Dateline national television interview. You're talking about old footage. That was something that she went on local Kentucky television when she got arrested. That's what you're talking about. She did not. It still stands true because the reporter (laughs) she was talking to is wearing a suit and tie and they're walking through the park and she's wearing yoga pants and a Disneyland faded shirt with holes in it. It's like they came to the door and knocked on her door and that's what she was wearing because she was doing a load of laundry because she's out of clothes. That's why she's doing laundry. And she's like, sure, let's go right now. And they're like, um, don't you want to change for this footage that we're doing? No, I'm good. This is my favorite outfit. I'm comfortable. But in poor damn it Janet's defense, her husband was in jail. She thought forever. So she didn't have So she's have not to. putting any effort in. And maybe she was also like the Ambien was wearing off when they came. <laughs> Does that make you that sleepy? Maybe it makes you that groggy that you're like, sure, I can talk about it. Let's go. You are now the mouthpiece for your husband who is in jail. You are fighting for his innocence. Is that your outfit that you are choosing to fight for him? Is that all he is worth? And you want the public to feel for you. You want them to feel, yeah. I. So maybe she wanted to look really poor. Like, I can't afford a new t-shirt. It could be I'm going to wear this one with holes in it. Please give money for his defense. And look, I love Disneyland. Happiest place on earth. Remember when you were happy once? I'll never be happy again because my husband's in jail. So maybe donate to his defense. 
Could be. Something like that. Quickly, David Dooley grew an excellent beard in prison, did he not? His beard looked, looked very nice. so much. He looked 100%. It was, and, and I really don't like him and think he's a killer, but he looked great. He should have done that look before. Yep. You've got nothing but time. Might as well groom. Uh-huh. No, I think Do some he's landscaping. like George Bluth and he's living his best life in prison. I know. And he's like, I am having the time of my life. That is the best. Oh. Yeah. So I think he's free of Janet. He doesn't have yeah. to remind her to take her vitamins anymore. True. He can just live out loud now. And his facial hair reflected that. <laughs> We're going to see a whole new David Dooley. David Dooley right. You know what? David Dooley as right. As much as... Yeah, I got it. Yeah. I was trying. There were plenty of girls on Twitter who thought, who fully believed that he's innocent. So I could totally see him getting some marriage proposals with the new facial hair. It was a much improved. And we never have much improved. And we got it this episode. No. That's great. No. And Even when someone loses a ton of weight in prison, they rarely look better. No, it always makes them look kind of scary. Yeah. Yeah. So um, do you have any alternate theories? Oh, I liked your, I like the ambient theory. I thought that was great. What's your ambient theory? What is it? Well, so it got, it got me thinking Green Eyed Girl 171 said, sounds like Julie should have killed Janet. She's a terrible liar, deaf in one ear, takes ambient and forgets her vitamins. So this got me thinking, maybe David came into the office, saw Michelle, and saw that she had her vitamins on her desk, but had not taken them. And he is so obsessive about taking vitamins, he lashed out. He saw red. (laughs) And he attacked her because Michelle was not taking her vitamins. And he thinks all women must take their vitamins. Choice number two, Janet the wife did it while she was on Ambien and David is covering for her because I think on the video we only see the truck leaving. We don't actually know who's driving the truck. Very true. So it maybe could have been Janet on Ambien. And then Scott McCracken on Twitter cracked me up because he thinks the Dooleys were runner-up on that flat-screen TV contest. <laughs> and, then, and then said, I, first he said, all you have to do is find out who the runners-up were in all those contests that Stupid Michelle was winning. And I think you'd find out it was the Dooleys each time. Oh my. And that they killed her out of serious just jealousy and revenge. <laughs> Did you have any other alternate theories? No, I didn't. I think the ambient one okay. is great. Yeah, I do too. Because um, people do sleepwalk and do crazy things. On I Ambien. thought that was the drug. I couldn't remember, but I thought it yeah. was. No, they do. They drive. They walk. They eat a lot. I think there's been there's at least one Dateline case about a sleep killer. I want to say it was their mother-in-law. Wow. Can't remember. Um, someone tell me if you can remember which episode it was. But it was. It had to do with sleeping drug, maybe Ambien. Do you have any titles for this week? Alternate titles. Yep. Okay. Bring it on. Well, I'll tell you mine first because mine are never as mine good. Are, I don't really mine really aren't good one. this week either. Mine haven't been good in months. So what do you have? I know. <laughs> okay, I stole mine from Twitter from R. Barry Hill said, much ado about nothing. Oh, great. Is that not? Ah, that's brilliant. I Just right? stop. Just drop the mic. That's it. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. It's great. It's Shakespearean. Oh. And to me, it totally is perfect because the dude theory was much ado about nothing to in my opinion so rachel i think yes rachel barry hill you did it that's so good yeah she she don't i don't even think she knows about our podcast but she won the whole thing she did better than us 
Are you not going to even do yours because you think you lost? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> there are none you want to read? Um, well, it's sort of interesting note, not an alternative title, but I was trying really hard with it. Did you know that a truck with, with two wheels, when it has the two wheels on either side, is called a dually? Really? I thought that was really funny because, oh. yeah, I don't know. Anyways, but his last name is Dooley and he drives off in the truck, but I couldn't come up with anything. And and they are a marriage of two people who both act like their wheels are spinning all the time. Yeah, exactly. And one of them is about to go off the rails. Oh, that actually worked. Kind of. Okay. Okay, but really, let's get to the important stuff, which is Twitter, because that's all I care about. I know. I love... Okay, well, let's see who was loving life on Twitter this who week. We got? Scott McCracken, who, again, came up with the brilliant theory of they lost in the flat screen TV war, yeah. had these obsessive tweets going way back about the tape gun, which were killing me. Oh. He was beyond obsessed. Because the tape gun was um, crazy. <laughs> it was like... I th- at one point, I just wrote him and said, I think you just really like to say tape gun. He said, a tape gun? WTF. A few minutes later... Uh, wonder if he had to carry a permit for that tape gun a few minutes later. I, for the life of me, I need to see a prosecutor hit a dummy with a tape gun. I'm just baffled. A few minutes later. I get it, but a tape gun? He could have just hit her with his mop. I don't know. A few minutes later. I'd say the gun was in the warehouse. He wouldn't need to tape anything. A few minutes later. I guess maybe it was her tape gun. Why does the janitor have a tape gun anyway? Find that tape gun is all I'm saying. That's amazing. Every, this was at least 20 minutes after they had stopped talking about the tape. I am going to say that I was really, really frustrated because they give us zero information about how she actually died. They say she was bludgeoned, but they don't give us any sort of, okay, did she bleed to death? Like, what what actually happened? Right. To her? Were there cut marks? Because that tape, I know those tape guns have that very sharp razor edge. I'm really, an, I, so I feel like we needed to know that. Also, by the way, I forgot to tell you this side bit of information. Her hands were bound behind her back. Oh. So why was that? Because he was also charged, Dooley was- With the tape gun. Dooley was charged with kidnapping, hiding evidence and murder. So what's the kidnapping charge? He must have moved her or... He tied her up and then was like, she caught us. I'm tying her up. I got to figure out what to do. What should I do? What should I do? And then he decided to just kill her. I don't think it was a tape gun. I think the tape gun's a red herring. I think the random dude is a red herring. But I think he maybe tied her up with the tape gun and then hit her with the tape gun and then threw the tape gun in his little trash can. Was she cut with the serrated edge? I don't think so. Daylight I think she was just bludgeoned. Now. They're Kill very me. heavy. They're very heavy. And JonBenet Ramsey was killed with a flashlight. If you were hitting somebody with a tape gun, wouldn't that sort of, maybe you cut yourself and he had no scratches on him? No, it's far away from where your hand grip is. Oh, you I see what you're saying. You could safely not yeah, cut yeah, yeah, yourself. Yeah, you're right. Okay. There's a full on buffer of a lip, an edge of where your hand might slide up and it would still be very far away from the serrated blade. I just wish they'd gone into more detail. You see my point. I totally do. And I think that's one of the perils of these hour long episodes. The perils. We're we're not getting what we need. It's perilous. It is. Will Richardson said, you know, the dicks in HR hated to deal with this. They're like, oh, the paperwork, someone being murdered. At work, no less. At work. Okay. (laughs) Dateline producer asked, what's the worst crime to ever happen at your workplace? Now, there were a few people who wrote legitimate things happen, like murders, but Becca Bird wrote, someone ate my yogurt, in all caps. 
and I think that's traumatic. Cat Eisel 81. Uh, if he was the janitor, I would think he would do a better job cleaning up. Jamie Bailey agreed. At the very least, he should be written up for poor workmanship. Wow. <laughs> okay, you're not having it. Chippa said, Little Joe did it. <laughs> to which I was pissed. <laughs> I said, You shut your damn mouth, disparaging Little Joe. He's a good boy. <laughs> Bonnie M. Case. Did I see that right? Ambie and Janet had her Bible out for tonight's taping. Please, woman, just take your vitamins and answer the questions. <laughs> I love that everyone in America now knows that Janet forgets to take her vitamins. And I feel like everywhere she goes, like at the grocery store, people turn around in line and are like, did you take your vitamins today, Janet? Also, vitamins has got to be code for something, right? Oh. Vitamins is like, did you her, take- Her crazy pills? Like, did you take your crazy pills? Or like, did you take your insulin? Uh-huh. You uh-huh. know Janet's diabetic. Was, you know Janet's diabetic. She's got the beaties. Uh, um, Steve Walters. It was Dooley's wife. She's the real Janet or- <laughs> I did that for you because Steve Walters, I mean, that is Steve, a pun and a half. come hang out with me. That's a, Do you want to go to Red Robin? He wants to come hang out with me at Red Robin and get a burger. Uh, Kelly Smith, he didn't do it. Poor guy pooped his pants and got blamed for murder. So <laughs> Kelly's working theory is that David Dooley pooped his pants, had to run home to change, and was too embarrassed to tell anybody, so instead went to jail. <laughs> Because you would rather go to jail than tell a jury of your peers that you pooped your pants. I mean, if there were cute guys on the jury, I would definitely hesitate first. You would perjure about poop? Poop perjury? Maybe. Maybe. No, you wouldn't. I would be like, I I ripped them. And they'd be like, you're lying. You go to jail unless you tell the truth right now. And I'd be like, but that guy's really hot in the jury booth. I think we might have a thing. Oh, no. So Then they'd send you to jail anyways. Yeah, they would. Uh, Paula Roby. Oh, come on. Hashtag now she's deaf. <laughs> no, you're not. I get no? it. Oh, it was. It was of... pretty much like she was. Oh, okay. Now she's deaf I'm telling now. you, that okay. whole three-minute segment where they were going through that, well, she said this, and then she didn't say this, and he said this, and they didn't. I was going to kill both of them. I was like, well, you're both about yes. to be murdered by me because yes. get, get it together. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Rebecca Crook, not enough energy to be mad at a new killer, Dateline. Um, that's sort of how I felt. That's I was so committed to David Dooley at that point that when random dude came in I was like I'm kind of you guys I'm out you can't bring in this new guy and make me think he's the killer I'm I don't have enough energy for it I felt I was okay I'm gonna I was having it I'm gonna stick with David (laughs) I'm sticking with David Dooley noted Rebecca Crook again (laughs) me think Linda needs to work somewhere with a bigger selection of men yeah oh boy she had some issues Jamie Bailey random dudes are famous for murdering payroll clerks See? Yeah. No one else thinks random dude did it. Michael Scutero. Can someone tell this lady in blue, look, it's Dateline. You won't be famous after this. Was, it, was he talking about um, Linda? Yeah, we, he's got to be talking about Linda Tallyho. Yeah. Yeah, she really thought this was her big break. Shira Weiss. Add McVeigh to the list of names that indicate things won't go well. That and any version of Peterson. <laughs> and the last one, you're going to just love it. Keisler Soze. Yes. Is it fair to say he was unduly prosecuted? I'll show myself out. Thank you, Keisler. Duly noted. Yeah. 
he'll show himself out. I, I'm staying. I'll, <laughs> I'm out. I'm going to stay here. Oh, by the way, <laughs> why didn't we anyone mention that Michelle had a contagious laugh? They did say that. We got contagious she laughter did? in this one. Uh-huh. The brother said it. I barely... Re- I just remember him saying there wasn't enough tape to talk about how great Michelle was. Oh, boy. Because he thinks that that's how it works. The camera. Oh, he it's said cute. that? Tape? Yeah, he said tape. Maybe um, he did it. He's obsessed with tape. Tape guns. Tapes and camera. Oh, my God. We didn't even think about the brother. What was his name? We didn't even no, learn his didn't. name. No, we didn't. It was all about the sisters. Oh, boy. Yeah, the brother was just happy to be there. He was. <laughs> happy um, to be included. I... We should discuss that we got some clarification on one of our major mysteries of last week, which was what is chicken on a stick? Oh, um, we did, yes. V Butterfly 9 gave us a detailed description and pictures of what happens at these festivals in San Antonio. Apparently, there are no spinach festivals, though. That was is like a huge lie. And that's why Bonnie made up the whole thing. Our theory is totally right. They met at the strip club, we think. Yeah. But it is just a hunk of chicken Breaded on chicken. a stick, and then they might put like a jalapeno on one side of it. It's eaten very sensually, at least according in her pictures it was. And she said, how else am I supposed to get a sugar daddy at the spinach festival in San Antonio, which, by the way, isn't a real thing. <laughs> and I also want to shout out on Twitter to I am Lil Crystal, who got me to find this other MTV show called Stranded with a Million Dollars, which is like Survivor, but there's money involved, and it's all millennials, and they're terrible. And within the first 10 minutes, one of them said, my name's Gina, like vagina. What? I swear. So it's my new favorite show, and I wouldn't have found it without Crystal, so thank you. In things in the news. My water, my ice pack just- <laughs> So, Can I just describe to um, everyone what just I, happened? Kimberly sings, it's in the news. And her ice pack goes flunk <laughs> off the back of her head. <laughs> Even my ice pack hates the sound of my singing. It was um, classy. I just wanted to say that next week's episode is about Charles Manson. And I don't know how to feel about that. Because I feel like we've really covered a lot of Charles Manson in our lives. It Would you... Perhaps, listeners, rather than hear about Charles Manson next week, we can do a Kimberly's Favorites, and we will go back to an old Dateline episode and review that instead of Manson, which is what we sort of want to do when it's these more famous cases, unless it's Scott Peterson or what's-her-name, Casey Anthony, because those two people I have a lot still to say about. But Also, Amanda Knox. I still have a lot to say about Amanda Knox. Okay. Yeah. I have things to say. You can, yeah. And Jean Benet, I still feel like I'm not done, I even though I say. watched approximately 17 documentary shows about her murder earlier this year. But I think one on literally every channel, and I don't feel like we got there yet. But I think something different that when we cover things like Manson or Dahmer or things like that, those are serial killers or considered serial killers. So I think that's not the same as what Dateline normally has. Unless it's a current interview with squeaky from <laughs> then I am not that interested. I don't think it is. I want to hear from squeaky though. There's one girl who did almost get out last year. Really? No. Well, Manson's yes. get supposedly trying to get out. Oh, he tries. That's why they're doing it. He gets because... appeals constantly. They, do they really, they're just never going to let I him know, out. I know. They, nor should they. 
So No. And this girl had not actually killed someone. I think she was just there for them, and they still didn't let her out. Because if you let one of them out, all the crazies will come forward who are obsessed with him. Yeah. Well, also, you can't let him he out. Can't. He's got a swastika on his forehead. Where's he going to go? He can't work at Subway with that swastika on his He can't work head. anywhere. Well, of course he can't work at Subway, Mm-mm. but I mean, he can't work picking up trash with that. He's going to get no. slaughtered. Well, maybe that's yeah. what they want. Mm-mm. I still will watch it and see what they have to say, but I might not want to cover it. But I think we might be doing a Kimberly's favorite, so be on the lookout for that because it's going to be great. Yeah. Because Kimberly has her favorite episodes saved. So make sure you follow us on Twitter, subscribe on iTunes. I think that's all we have for you. Um, Don't watch alone. Watch with Janet because she's deaf in one ear and needs you to tell her what's happening. (laughs) I'm not going to say duly noted again, but I really want to. (laughs) Duly Duly noted. noted. Bye, everybody. (laughs) Bye.